This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Eat Me, the brainiest zombie show on the web. We're talking about The Walking Dead, the TV show on AMC. My name's Chris Baker. I'm joined here by my two lovely co-hosts, Sam Napolitan. Hi there. And Katrina Tullock. Hi. This is, if you've been listening in, this is the second episode of Wait, Wait, Don't Eat Me. Uh, last week was our first episode, and if you're listening again, welcome back. Thanks for uh, thanks for sticking with us. They decided to keep the program, so... <laughs> That's a good thing. Apparently, we haven't been canceled yet. Excellent. Good news. So, for those of you who are new, we're talking about The Walking Dead, which is AMC's show about zombies, the end of the world, the apocalypse. Call it what you want. This show, we're going to be walking through each week's episode. We'll be taking a look at the episode that aired the Sunday night prior. Uh, we'll be talking about what's good about the show, what's bad about the show, what we liked, what we didn't like. And then we'll be taking a topic and examining it, looking at it in depth, taking a look at some of the deeper issues. Um, we're also going to be looking at some of our favorite zombies from each episode. We'll be keying into to some good makeup, some good characters, and uh, just talking about all things zombie, I guess. Just a heads up for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen the most recent episode, we're going to be talking about the whole show, so there's going to be some spoilers in here. So, if you don't want to know what happened Sunday night, don't listen yet. Go out and check out the show first and then listen in. Or if you want to find out what happened and you don't feel like watching it, listen up. We'll tell you uh, all the gory details. So, for tonight's episode, we are going to be looking at Sunday, October 23rd's episode. It aired at 9 o'clock on AMC. The episode was titled Bloodletting. Before we do that, Sam is going to fill us in on what we missed last week. Get us up to speed, Sam. Got it. Uh, what happened was the group was going to Fort Benning, and they're traveling down the highway, and all of a sudden, this big herd of hungry zombies stampedes through their caravan there. So they end up hiding under their cars to avoid the zombies, and they slowly let them pass. As the last few are passing through, Carol's little girl, Sophia, decides that it's a good time to get out from underneath the car. However, it is not, and a couple of zombies spot her and chase her into the woods. Rick follows, and trying to save her, he tells her to hide. She doesn't, and while he's killing the zombies, she gets lost in the woods. So the group is, for the majority of the episode, trying to find the lost little girl. The episode ends with them praying in a church for a sign, which comes in the form of a deer, that Shane, Rick, and Carl see. As Carl goes up to the deer to try to kill it, I suppose. I guess. <laughs> The deer is shot, and the bullet passes through it into Carl, and he collapses on the ground. Yeah, and then we're left with that fun cliffhanger to wait a week and find out what happens. Oh, uh, they get us every time. I know. They're, <laughs> uh, it's like a soap opera almost. <laughs> so that's where we left off after the first episode, which brings us to last night's episode, Bloodletting. Katrina, you want to fill us in on what happened last night? I would love to. Well, as Sam said, Rick's kid got shot at the end, and this show began with a flashback the way that Lori first heard Rick got shot in the first season, which I guess was supposed to be some sort of like cool father-son connection Parallels. plot device. Yeah, some parallel, but it just made me feel like I was watching Lost, because they love their flashbacks. But then, it cut to Rick carrying his dying son across a field to some random house, and we meet a large man named Otis, a totally new character, who apparently is the mysterious person who shot his kid. So embarrassing, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Worst way to meet somebody. So... <laughs> In this house are a bunch of new characters, including a doctor 
who tends to the kid until we find out he's not a doctor, he's actually a veterinarian who has probably only ever operated on dogs. So Shane, who's following Rick this entire time, offers some bromance advice to, you know, be a good dad, keep calm and keep strong for your son. And meanwhile, the rest of the gang, Lori, Daryl, Andrea, and Carol, they're still all up in the woods looking for the girl Sophia, who's been missing for days now. And Andrea gets attacked by a zombie and is rescued by some hot chick riding a horse. (laughs) I don't know her name. Do you know her name? Maggie. Maggie. Okay. She tells Lori that her son got shot. And then there's shock, emotion, tears, and Lori goes with her to the farm on a horse. And all the while this is happening, lots of, lots of plot parallels going on, T-Dog, who got seriously cut up in the last episode, has developed a nasty infection and a fever, which makes him think that everyone's racist. So she- <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those rare racist fevers. <laughs> Crazy fevers. Um, Shane and Otis, in the meantime, decide they're going to hit up a local high school to get some medical supplies for the doctor to perform dog surgery on Carl. <laughs> so while they're there, they run into a horde of zombies, and that's where they left off in normal cliffhanger fashion. Of course. Yes. Did you like this episode better? Yes. I Tons so. better. Me too. Yeah, it was way better than the premiere. Yeah, this is what the premiere was lacking, was A... Tons of zombies chasing people. B, there were some new characters. Mm-hmm. Still, I mean, just so you feel like something at least happened. They're going somewhere. Yeah, they got yeah. a, a new place that they introduced. And and, new friends. New characters. Yeah. New gang up together. And now they're in a high school. Like, I hope that this brings a cheerleader zombie, principal zombie. Yeah, there's so zombies. much potential. <laughs> Janitor zombie. Janitor zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel some zombie Oscars coming on with this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, what, was, what do you think was one of the biggest strengths of this episode? I mean, like I said, I think the new characters were really strong, but there was more. There was more a sense of urgency yeah. in this mm-hmm. episode, and you you basically you had three different plot lines going on instead of just everyone wandering out around the woods aimlessly. You've got new, some new character pairings. You've got yeah. you got Dale and T Dog, who have never really hung out together or spent time together. They kind of get paired up, and all of a sudden, you've got this new dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You've got Otis, who seems like a big dumb redneck at first, but then he he makes this really honorable, chivalrous move to go. He volunteers to go to the high school and find medical supplies to help save Rick's son. He's a redneck with a heart. Yeah, he is. (laughs) He's like, he's got this code where he's like, well, I shot the kid, which I mean, I guess it's only the right thing to do. You shot this kid. You, you want to help him live. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to be around the dad after shooting his own son. Yeah. That would suck. But I mean, Rick's understanding. He's not. Lori's pretty pissed off at this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, she yeah. Was Lori, mad. Rick's wife, when she gets there, um, she finds Otis and she doesn't even want to talk to him. She says, "We'll we'll settle this after we make sure that my son's okay." Mm-hmm. She's got like that motherly mama bear Sarah Palin instinct kicking in, where oh, she just geez. wants to kick oh, no. some ass. Sorry. <laughs> no, Sarah Palin would survive a zombie apocalypse. We're not talking though. about this right now. No. She would. She would shoot everyone. No, she'd be a end of end no, of conversation. <laughs> She would start like a zombie tea party. It'd be great. Gross. Oh no. Anyways, you've got. I think Otis is kind of the strongest new character. You've got Otis and Herschel really emerge as the two new characters who you think are gonna be strong throughout the rest. Hopefully, the rest of the season. Hopefully. I I don't know how did Otis survive this long. Is <laughs> my of question. His yeah, he's a big fat guy. <laughs> he couldn't run very well though. I noticed him struggling. He was, but that was all the more realistic, you know? Yeah. We're Americans. If there's a zombie apocalypse in America... Yeah, there's going to be a lot of fat people <laughs> running from the zombies. But if you've ever seen um, Zombieland, one of his rules in Zombieland, Jesse Eisenberg um, has these rules in Zombieland. Right. And one of his rules, I, I think, I'm pretty sure it's Zombieland, where he says the fat people die first, be in good shape. Because there's the scene towards the end of this episode when Shane and Otis yeah. are at the high school, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. are looking for these medical supplies. A horde of zombies comes after them. Shane's sprinting out of there. He gets right out of there. 
Otis is kind of like slugging along. And all I can think, yeah. And he has all the like important supplies. <laughs> yeah, he's I got all the heavy shit. Thinking. Yeah. Well, it's fine. I mean, I would say I always have a fat person around because, you know, then the zombies will get a little distracted and then you can get around. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. And it Just would take a long time economical. to eat him. Right. It serves us a lot of food. Absolutely. Yeah. Hold him off for a bit. But, uh. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, I need to make more fat friends, I guess. <laughs> In Otis's defense, he does seem pretty smart other than shooting Carl. <laughs> but I think I think that was definitely one of those hunting accidents where it was like, oh, yeah. he was wearing a camo shirt. Whoops. Yeah. And well, and I mean, at that point in the world, you wouldn't really expect there to be other people in the woods. Yeah. It's not like you're looking out for other hunters or anything because it's the end of the world. There's no one left. I, I mean, to call him smart is kind of a stretch. I think. Yeah, but he's he, got know how. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think I mean, you don't have to be book smart in the zombie apocalypse. You oh, just have no. to know. Know your resources and use them. Yep. Yeah, he knows how to use a gun. He's obviously good at shooting deer. <laughs> and he got that one. My little boys. <laughs> so, is there, I mean, anything else that really stood out in this episode? I would say Herschel is someone very interesting. That's the doctor. He got into a little philosophical moment, I think, with Rick while they were waiting for Shane and Otis at the high school. Mm-hmm. You know, they were talking about what the zombie virus is and is there a cure? Could there be a cure? And Herschel seems convinced that there is one. I think we should talk a little bit about that. Yeah. About the idea of a disease. Yeah, well, it goes back to that. The hope issue we were talking about last week. We know as kind of this omniscient viewer that there probably isn't a cure. And we've all seen enough zombie movies and zombie TV shows to know that... There generally isn't one. No, there's not a cure. And all the people who would have cured it have been turned into zombies by now. So it's just kind of survival of the fittest. But if you look at it from his point of view, he's really secluded from the rest of the world. Doesn't have much contact. And they've heard broadcasts saying that, oh, there's people working on a cure. The CDC is working on a cure. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's hard to just completely let go and say, nope, there's no cure. It's over. So he looks at it really in like a historical sense. He says there's been plagues since the beginning of man. There have been these plagues. And every time we always think that it's the worst thing and it's going to be the end of the world. But in the end, mankind always prevails. And we always find a way to overcome these things. And it's just nature's way of correcting I, itself, yeah, preserving itself. Yeah, it's, it's a balance. He compares it, I remember, he compares it to AIDS. He says when AIDS first came around, everyone thought AIDS was going to be the end of the world. (laughs) Rick's like, it's a little different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you have AIDS, like, you don't come back to life and start eating people, I don't think. I'm I'm not a doctor, but (laughs) I don't think that's how it works. But I mean, so is... I mean, is this just another disease? It could be. I mean, there there's some some zombie movies where they do cure it, or the zombies just like die out. So yeah. it's a possibility. But I think the thing is about zombies is that it's exponentially greater, and you know, it's really hard to control. With AIDS, it's like, yeah, just you know, do what you have to do to not get AIDS, and you're fine. It's not like they're coming after you to like spread this disease to you, <laughs> like zombies are. So. I think it's a little different. It also brings um, population into an interesting... Well, it, it critiques our population because, you know, you've got the um, Herschel and his family. I guess they're his family or his friends mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere. And you can have hope. You can have all of those things if you're not around other people. But when you're in a place like New York City, yeah. you know, imagine that as a scenario in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, it's not good. It's a little different. But the other thing, it's different from AIDS. I mean, it's got a 100% mortality rate. And there's no, yeah. like... It's not like, oh, maybe you'll live for 10 years and be okay and Mm -hmm. pull a Magic Johnson. It's like when you get bit, it's game over. You automatically turn into a zombie. Mm -hmm. I I kind of saw what he was saying. Like, yeah, it's a population control and only those who are fit to survive. But it's definitely more serious than any... We don't know what's going on in the rest of the world, do we? Yeah. No, we don't. All we know so far is about Georgia, so... 
So maybe, yeah, maybe there is. Thinking of 28 days later when they, <laughs> they, they uh, quarantine, quarantine it England. To just England. So it could be something like that. I'm could thinking be. about Contagion, which isn't a zombie movie, but it, it's same if we're idea, talking though. worldwide yeah. epidemics, you know, this stuff happens pretty quickly. China is screwed. And <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we're in Georgia. We're in Atlanta. But, the, I mean, so maybe this is a way of the world writing itself, nature bouncing out, because, I mean, I was thinking about it. Humans are really the scourge of the earth. We're the worst thing that's ever happened to this planet. We are. We just we take things away. We destroy the planet. We leave it so much worse than how we found it. Every generation, it gets worse and worse. Fair enough. Zombies don't. They're kind of like any other animal. They adapt to their environment. They're, I mean, they're biodegradable. They're like composing as they're, <laughs> as they're walking. But they don't, I mean, they're not creating nuclear waste. They're not creating anything that's better for the environment. So maybe they're like the next evolution of mankind. Whoa, whoa. I'm just saying. They could be. They're better for the earth (laughs) than we are. That's crazy. It is, but... What happens when there aren't any more people to eat, though? Game over. I guess so. Humans lose. And then, who knows, maybe like we start all back from the beginning. Micro-celled organisms (laughs) evolve again and... I mean, everything's cyclical yeah, in nature. it's good for the health of the earth, not for the health of humanity, but we were just living here, you know. I mean, we're just a, we're like a, a blink on the spectrum of the history of the earth. Well, assuming the earth isn't 6,000 years old, which I'm going to make that, make that <laughs> assumption. We'll get, we talked about religion last week, so I guess we'll steer clear of that. But, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a couple, but... <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. The, the main thing we wanted to talk about tonight, our, uh, our main topic of discussion, is Rick, who is a... Uh, Rick's the main character, for those of you who have been watching the show with your eyes closed and headphones on. <laughs> Rick's the main character. He was a, a Georgia police officer or a sheriff or a trooper or some sort of law enforcement. And he's kind of become the de facto leader of this group. I don't know why, just because maybe he's the one who initially was making decisions. I think having a police uniform helped. But he, he's been making all the decisions for this group. And in this episode, you kind of see where his decisions are getting worse and worse and kind of leading the group astray, I feel like. There's one scene where he keeps repeating, when a girl gets lost in the woods, you go look for her. You mm-hmm. go look for her. And he, it's almost like he's trying to convince himself that he made the right decision. And in the world before zombies, definitely the right decision. Girl gets lost in the woods, you go look for her. In a zombie world, is it the right decision, though? Probably not. <laughs> I, I think Rick was a, a big crybaby in this episode. <laughs> Same here. And I, I was pretty disappointed because, I mean, yes... His son was shot. I don't know what that's like. But he was making ridiculous, just like emotionally charged decisions to try to do any action that he could. He wanted to go with Shane and Otis to the high school just because he wanted to be doing something. It seemed like he just wanted to get away from the situation and yeah. and try to make himself feel like he's being useful. But I, I liked the scene where he and Lori were going back and forth. And Lori was just like, no, you're staying with me. I'm going to fuck you up if you don't <laughs> because I can't do this myself. And it was like, finally, just knock some sense into him because everyone's just been looking up to him this entire time. And he's not even that great of a leader. No. no he's, he's just He is the leader because, yes, police <clears throat> uniform. Yeah, he's the family man. And because he's the one who took charge in the first place. It's a really good question to be like, why is he even in charge? Because it kind of goes back to what Dale and T-Dog were talking about. Like, aren't they just as capable, technically? But because Rick's like the young, younger man with the, the career law enforcement, that makes him more fit to make decisions. Maybe it does, because I know police officers are like trained to do that stuff, but it's like... See, but I don't, I, don't I don't know if Dale and T-Dog are just as capable as Rick. They might and, not cause they be. Say, I mean, Rick, Rick, Shane, and Daryl, I, I feel like, are the most capable three of the group. I mean, I mean, just having weapons training and hand-to-hand combat training and being used to being in pressure situations, 
It does garner some leadership skills. Yeah, but fair enough. Rick kind of became the leader because no one else wanted to, except for Shane. And when Rick and Shane butted heads, Rick eventually won and was, quote-unquote, dubbed the leader. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, his decisions are the ones... So he decides, A, let's go look for this girl. B, I'm going to leave this girl here, mm-hmm. and then she gets lost. C, he decides when the sun's going down to stay and keep looking for her when everyone else goes back to camp. And then D, I think the worst decision, Shane is about to shoot the deer in the last episode. He's about to shoot it, and then Rick holds Shane back and says, no, 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 let my son go up and, and look at it. doesn't seem like a bad decision, but it ends up getting Carl shot. So in this episode, you kind of see Rick second-guessing himself on all these decisions, and you, you kind of agree with him. You're like, yeah, man, you've been doing a terrible job so far, and look where you've gotten us. It's mm-hmm. just I don't see it as really panning out for him. And can I add to that list? He let Carl go with them in the first place. That's right. right? And I, think I don't really understand that. I, I, I remember the group being divided about that. It's like, we lost one kid. Let's not let the other one come along with us. And they did. And he got shot. So, yeah. <laughs> Way to be, Rick. <laughs> well, you feel like he wants to do everything himself because he, he needs to be the one who goes and looks for this girl. And like you were saying, Sam, when, um, when he's at the house, he wants to go with Shane and Otis to get supplies. Then he wants to go and find Lori himself. A good manager knows how to delegate. That's like yeah, business 101. Definitely. Tell someone else to do this stuff. Your son is there by himself. You need to trust yeah. these other people to go and do these things. It's crazy. And I really think I really think Rick has like some sort of martyr complex or like hero complex where he always has Absolutely. to be the one saving the day. And it's like, really, dude? This is not some fairy tale. Is zombies like and even more problematic? Is I mean, yes, he's in the middle of a very traumatic experience, but it's not just that he's emotional about it. It's that um, he and his son have the same blood type, so he's siphoning yeah. blood out of himself to give to his son so he can stay alive. And he's pale as shit. He looks like a ghost. He's tired. He can't even sit upright. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the high school. I'm gonna fight the zombies." And everyone's like, "Sit down. Give me a break, dude. You're not going anywhere." Let someone you else. Want to go get eaten so your son doesn't have a blood yes, supply anymore? Calm yourself, Iago. <laughs> calm yourself, Iago. <laughs> well, so maybe I mean, all right, you mentioned the martyr complex. It made me think maybe because he thought he was going to die, or maybe he didn't think he was going to die, but he was basically left for dead after he was shot initially in the first episode Are you of the bring season. Us back to the Jesus zombie. No, we'll stay away from Jesus <laughs> okay. for now. Like Aww. I said, we're, we'll move past. <laughs> we'll zombie. come back to religion. I'm sure it'll be prevalent. <laughs> so he 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 was kind of left for dead. And then he basically comes back to life and gets kind of this second chance. So maybe he's like got this thing where he's living on borrowed time. So maybe he does have kind of this death wish. Like you always see these people who have near-death experiences and then mm. they want to go out and live life to the fullest and skydive and jump off mountains yeah. and wrestle bears and who knows what. So maybe he's kind of got this psychological thing going on where, hey, who cares if I die? I, I'm living on borrowed time anyways. He might. I don't know what happens in the comics. You guys have read the comics. <laughs> I don't actually know if he does that. Well, the, the show's deviated pretty far from the comics. Yeah, it, oh, really? It follows, it follows them loosely, but... Yeah, it's got the same characters, like Herschel and yeah. Otis are in it, but... And the show even adds characters that aren't in the comics. Yeah. So, okay. Well, if you want to talk about someone with a death wish, we could talk about Andrea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, she is. She's living on borrowed time, I guess. That was the first zombie of the episode, um... The one in the woods. And he came out of nowhere, first was, of all. That was pretty... That was an awesome scene. Yeah, I liked She it. was, like, walking by a tree, and it looked like she was walking with somebody else, and it just happened to be a zombie. She turns around, like, about to say something, and the zombie's like, <laughs> And I'm gonna eat you. it gets all up on her, and she's freaking out. And for somebody who keeps telling everyone, I'm gonna kill myself, she's fighting pretty hard. Yeah. So, I don't know how to feel about her now. 
She's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I don't know. And maybe I'm just sexist. I think most of the women in this show are a pain in the ass. I like Maggie, but she's brand new. I, yeah, I do oh, like, I like Maggie. I like her horse. Yeah. yeah. Even better. That's pretty baller. <laughs> well, then she just she comes back and she just gives Dale dirty looks and goes back to that whole, like... Yeah, it's like, decide what you want. The thing is about with these characters, I don't think they realize how short time is. It's like, you don't really have a lot of time to be, like, mopey. You don't know when when your last second is going to be your last. And, like, mm-hmm. I feel like if I were them, I'd be like, oh, I had a chance to kill myself, but I'm alive now. I'm just going to be awesome. Like, that's a really bad way of saying it, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why not? But then again, what's the point of living if the world's destroyed and there's nothing to live for? Like, you look at Rick's got his kid to live for and his wife. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you, most people have someone else to live for. She had her sister, and when her sister dies, when she really got this, yeah. Andrea's sister dies in the first season, mm-hmm. and that's when she really goes on this whole... I've got nothing left to live for. And maybe she's right. But what about, like, Glenn? Glenn doesn't have anybody. Remember Glenn? Yeah. <laughs> Glenn's been kind of forgotten about so yeah, far yeah. this season. I miss Glenn. Yeah. I do, too. He was funny. And, like, the only thing that he did in this past episode <clears throat> was they, like, sent him in the Subaru. Is, is it a Subaru that they have? Some sort of car to the farm. That was his one thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't, I think the only line he had was, like, hey. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want to do something stay. else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that whole plot line was kind of convoluted. But I do like when when they get back and they find T Dogs like delirious with his racist yeah. fever. Um, <laughs> Daryl comes back right away, and within thirty seconds, Daryl has fixed this whole situation. <laughs> Daryl is amazing. Yeah, the whole episode, you've had this whole thing with uh, Dale and T Dog, who Dale's been trying to help T Dog find antibiotics, and he's been freaking out because T Dog's got this really bad fever. They need to get him some help for the whole episode. They're going back and forth. This literally, Daryl comes swashbuckling in and just says, here, I got what you need. Take whatever you want. a magic bag of medical supplies. Yeah. He was just like, well, most of them belong to my brother, and sometimes my brother got the clap. Here, <laughs> Oxycontin. Seriously. Yeah, he's got all sorts of pills. <laughs> it, that really made me think that, going back to the Rick thing, I think Daryl would make the best would leader be so of the group. Good. He is extremely decisive. He never hesitates about what they need to do. He has a very clear vision. He's not attached to anyone, Mm-mm. which I think would make him a good leader. Mm-hmm. Rick if you want to be the leader of the group, Rick is looking out for his wife and his kid first and foremost. And to lead an entire group like this, you need to be completely detached and look at what's best for the group as a whole. Yeah. And Daryl can do that because Daryl's like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't give a shit about any of you. If you all die, that's cool. But he also, he's not going to let them die. He helps them. He hates T-Dog and they hate each other, but he saves them in the first episode. Yeah. T-Dog again is in trouble. He comes back and a lot of people would say, you know what? I'm not going to give everyone else my drugs. These, yeah. I might yeah. need these. I'm I want to. Yeah. you you caused my brother to cut off his hand, and now he's missing. And, exactly. But he's like, whatever, you need these more than I do. Exactly. He wasn't even whatever. He was, like, nice about it, Yeah. Though. He was like, why didn't you tell me in the first place? Yeah. Have some drugs. Mm-hmm. I, I'm growing to like him more every single week. Yeah, he's really growing on me. Yeah, I, I see him kind of emerging as, now that the group is split, I've got one group on the highway. That, yeah. He's kind of the leader of this new group. And, I mean, he does. He makes better decisions than Rick because he's so emotionally detached. And yeah. I think that's what you need. And I, I think with Rick, he's always going to make a decision that's best for him and his family. Like, oh. when it comes down to it, if the group is getting, like, ravaged by zombies, he's going to grab Lori and Carl before he tries to save anybody else. And that's, I mean, that's not the wrong thing to do. It's, it's not, just, but just saying. Yeah. Right he's, and wrong is He's right. always going to look out for his bloodline yeah. more than other people. Right. And, so. he, I mean, he's willing to sacrifice himself, we've seen, for for his family. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think Rick needs to go. Although it was funny that 
Rick was making all these kind of emotional decisions and he was just kind of this mess. And then there's the scene when Lori first gets there. He tells Lori what's going on. Lori, she kind of slaps some sense in him. But then when they're talking to Herschel and they find out that Herschel's a vet, he's not really a doctor. Herschel's the guy who owns this farm that they made it to. Um, he says, I'm, I've never done this surgery on a person. I'm a vet. I've done it on like a horse or he's done it on some sort of animal. So she gets really worked up and starts accusing Herschel of not knowing what he's doing and really gets panicky. And it's only when she freaks out that Rick kind of returns to his senses and is like, well, Lori, let's calm down. Let's think about this reasonably. So it's almost like she, he needs her to be even like more batshit crazy than he is to kind of bring <laughs> himself down to earth. It's messed up. It's, it's especially sort of sad, too, because that flashback at the beginning of the episode was all about, well, she was talking, Lori was talking with one of her girlfriends mm-hmm. in front of the school waiting for her son to come out. And they were talking about whether or not she likes, she likes, whether or not she loves Rick anymore. And it didn't, it seemed like she wasn't really sure. And then in comes Shane, like, hey, your husband got shot. And then she's all tears and great, like, really upset. So I think that the zombie apocalypse sort of brought them back together in a weird sort of romantic way. But is there love there? And if so, what does a zombie apocalypse do to a relationship like that? Zombies are so romantic. <laughs> so romantic. I just, I just love blood and guts. There's something about them. Brings people together. Well, it creates a stressful situation. It allows them to kind of put all this other stuff aside and just focus on surviving in each other, I guess. So you kind of forget about, I mean, they'd had a fight that morning, I think, and mm-hmm. stuff like that seems less important when you just need to protect the other person and, yeah. and help them survive. Yeah, exactly. It helps you forget all that petty bullshit that you fight about. Like, it's just bare bone survival. Well, she says in that conversation, too, at the beginning when she's, Lori's talking to her girlfriend who she works at the school with, she said she's angry at Rick because he won't have it out with her, basically. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm, I'm angry because I say these things that I know are wrong, and he's just being completely reasonable. And that's what really makes her angry is that he's just being reasonable and logical, which, well, I'd say we all... I'd, been in relationships like that. Sort of picking a fight. Women sometimes are more emotional. Hey, hey, just a second. (laughs) Kick you under the table. I'm outnumbered here. (laughs) Well, I mean, if she doesn't watch out, she's gonna she's gonna lose Rick to Shane. Because man, did they have some romantic scenes in this episode? I I think it was around the time when (laughs) Rick, Rick and Shane, Rick and Shane, they totally did. Man, they were getting awful close there. (laughs) I think make out. (laughs) You were out. Their heads were really close together, and Shane was just telling him to keep it together. And threesome? Threesome in the works? Whoa. Whoa. Maybe. Yeah, I, they could go there. Not the good kind, though. That's the wrong kind. Whatever. <laughs> All right. So, so T-Dog and, and Dale were talking. T-Dog was saying that they're both the, the weakest of the group. Who do you guys think is the weakest character? Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than Sophia. <laughs> Do you think that entire story arc just happened because, like, she needed to go to school? Or, like, <laughs> or, like she got too, I don't know, egotistical as a little nine-year-old, so she wanted to start, like, a singing career. And they're just like, all right. <laughs> we got to write her out of the script. Go get lost in the woods. Yeah, I don't, it seems pretty ridiculous at this point. I was so certain they would have found her by now. And it's, I don't care. I don't care about Sophia. We were talking about the two characters who have gone missing so far. And it's Sophia and Merle. Who's the big old tough redneck, racist redneck, whose hand got cut off last season. And so we were thinking maybe if they linked up at some point, came back together, found the group, just Merle and Sophia, nine-year-old and like a, what, 35-year-old huge muscle man. That'd (laughs) be an interesting pairing. Yeah, not sexually. (laughs) No, I'm not saying, come on. 
I didn't. She's 12. I know. I'm just saying. I had a weird look on your face. <laughs> I was going to. I think. I think Rick is the weakest character. Whoa. Wow. I do. He's. It's hard to explain, but I, when Rick is on his own, Rick always needs someone else to kind of either validate him or help him out. Like when he comes apart, he needs Shane to talk him down. Then he needs Lori to talk some sense in him. Then he needs Herschel to talk some sense in him. Maybe he's better off on his own. Maybe he's weak because he's in the group. But he just. Everything he does makes their situation worse. So would they be better off without him around? I mean, that's how I'm, I'm gauging a weak character is, or not a weak character, but a weak, a weak person in the group. Would the group be better contribute? off without him? And some of these other people don't contribute anything because so they're like, they're neutral. Mm-hmm. But he's actually in the negative spectrum because everything he contributes ends up worse. He brings them to the CDC. Well, the CDC blows up and then they're stuck in Atlanta. He brings them to all these places where things just get worse and worse and worse. So, I don't know. I think, I mean, they seem to be okay off in the first season before Rick got there. I don't, I don't think he's helped them out at all. I think he's making everything worse. That's a big accusation, Chris. <laughs> I know, I mean, it really is. I'm, I'm interested. I'm trying to think back in the first season. Like, what if Rick had never made it back to his family? Like, what if he died right there in the hospital and some zombie attacked him? Then Lori would have hooked up with Shane and probably still been with him because she needs yeah. that rock, mm-hmm. apparently. And Shane probably would have taken that leader position as the only police officer. And where would they be now? Like, what are Shane's best leadership abilities? I don't, I, I don't think Shane's that great of a leader either, though. So, he's either. very reckless, and he's also very emotionally wrapped up in things, yeah. especially with Lori. And I think that plays into a lot of his decisions. And he takes out his aggression on other people. Like, in the first season, when he beat the crap out of Carol's husband, it was it was kind of warranted, but he, he there's, like, a line, and I think he crossed it, you know? But I, th- I think most great leaders are do have that kind of passionate, reckless side, because it just means they, they care so strongly about whatever they're doing, and, I, I mean, all the, I guess, all the great leaders I can think about who have that side are, like, psychopaths or kind of evil people, but they were good <laughs> leaders. I'm thinking, like, dictators. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want a dictator? in this kind of situation or do you want somebody who's like looking out for everybody i want a dictator i don't want a democracy <laughs> dictatorships just a utilitarian not okay. a dictator yeah utilitarian right. i don't think there's enough I... people to dictate stuff but i mean i think daryl fills that role yeah. i would rather see him as a leader pretty much more because i want to see his character do more stuff i don't want them to play with him more <laughs> but i think with like a somebody who's really really has that style of leadership this the group's going to end up splitting and we're already kind of seeing that happen i think daryl's where it's at daryl gets my vote for for leader me too and rick gets voted off the island yeah he's he's i know he can take maybe Lori and Carl with him. maybe i mean who knows he's having a tough time yeah he's just dazed and confused right now maybe if he has some of daryl's pills and when you, <laughs> when you think about it he's been in the zombie apocalypse for a shorter amount of time than everybody else mm-hmm. like that he doesn't true. know what it was like when it first happened that's true so he's still adjusting Let's take a look, lastly, here at some of the memorable zombies from this week. Some of our favorite zombies. There weren't a lot. No, there weren't. The first 40 minutes or so was sans zombie. So the first one we see is the guy in the woods. I vote that one. (laughs) That was was a really great scene. He's very sneaky. I read on a, oh, this sounds so nerdy, but I read on a zombie blog <laughs> that the way that those, like, extras work is that, you know, there's, like, sort of a head zombie of the week, and, like, he, he would be that as an example, mm-hmm. and that they get treated better, you know. That's they so they dressing room, head zombie of the week, even though they're, like, a totally nameless, faceless zombie. I love how that one died, too. Daryl was just like, shut up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was really great. So I, th- I mean, he was the only really memorable one. At the there were a couple of other ones at the high school. Like uh, there was the FEMA zombie, mm-hmm. and there was a soldier zombie. The soldier zombie. The funny thing about all those zombies is they all like when they had that big wide shot of all of them, they all looked the same. Mm-hmm. They all looked yeah. the same color. They all looked like they were wearing the same things. Mm-hmm. I think it's starting to be like you can't differentiate between people anymore. They're that hungry and that gaunt, <laughs> which yeah. is cool. Like that's an evolution of makeup. I, I think that's a good decision. But I vote Wood Zombie. Me too. I'm going with FEMA Zombie just because I think it was hysterical. You just that like there was FEMA a, Zombie. I do like <laughs> FEMA Zombie. Come on. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week on Wait, Wait, Don't Eat Me. Thanks for listening in. We appreciate you, uh, you checking us out. Uh, if you want to find more, you can look us up on filmgeekradio.com or you can find us on iTunes and you can subscribe to us so you can find us every week. You can also donate to the website. On the website, there's a, there's a donate button there and it really helps us out. It helps us cover all our expenses, keeps us in business, allows us to keep talking about zombies. And you can also check out all the other shows on Film Geek Radio. Uh, there's some really good ones on there. Uh, listen to them every week and they're a lot of fun. There's some really good Really good web shows. If you want to chat, if you got any feedback, if you liked what you heard, if you didn't like what you heard, shoot us an email. You can email us at don'teatme at filmgeekradio.com. We would really love to hear your feedback. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash chrsbakr. Or you can check out my blog, which is musiccuse.wordpress.com. You can find me at Twitter at twitter.com slash snappolitan. That's spelled S-N-A-P-O-L-I-T-A-N. And my Twitter handle is trinlock, T-R-I-N underscore L-O-C-H. So like I said, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks for listening. My name is Chris Baker. I'm Sam Napolitan. And I'm Katrina Tulloch. And just reminding you, if you've been bitten, it's already over. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!